now on This Week in History with Paul Waite. And I am Paul Waite, and it's just wonderful, as always, to be reminded who I am. Um, so, uh, the, uh, on This Week in History, which has become very popular, it's split out as a podcast, and we've been getting uh, a, a great number of uh, people uh, listening to that, which is really good. Uh, it's been nice today to have uh, young Callum here with me to have a, a bit of debate for once, uh, given the uh, the usual lack of response from my, my fellows <laughs> on this section, which has not gone unnoticed out in listener <laughs> land, it has to be said. Um, so after after the break, we had a fantastic song called Haitian Divorce by Stevie Dan. Uh, I bought the EP of that back in 1978. Um, I bought a lot of EPs at the time and um, it, was a, it was a really important track for me. So anyway, we've got 16 little factoids today. Um, one of which in particular I'm very interested in, so uh, I will dwell on that the most. Uh, so the first fact is in 768, Charlemagne, who has to be considered, I think, to be one of the most iconic and well-known world leaders, mm. kings, emperors, or whatever, yep. of all time, uh, was crowned King of the Franks. He was actually uh, crowned with his brother, who was called something like Carlingi, or something like that. All right. um, and of course, one of the things that's very interesting that Callum and I know a lot about is um, after the Battle of Hastings, uh, a lot of the elite Saxon warriors mm. went over to um constantinople to uh no to, to charlemagne's court didn't oh, they? Yeah. oh right okay they went over to charlemagne's court and became uh, the elite uh carolingian guard i think mm, um, yeah so that's that's quite interesting so um a really interesting part of history and it's, it's actually also considering how famous he is it's quite a you know quite early at 768 then i know one one that callum will really like and he was criticizing me because he couldn't read my writing uh, yesterday <laughs> is in um in the year 1000 um Leif Erikson, a uh, very famous Viking, mm. uh, discovered Vinland, as, mm. as, as the Vikings called it. Um, so he's the first European, effectively, to go to North America. Yep. And um, it's now considered by historians that where he landed is in a place called Lons-au-Meadow uh, in Canada. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, so when you think about it, it's quite a, an outstanding uh, feat of sailing. Oh, amazing. Um, but if you, actually, you know, if you actually look at where he set off, there's actually no land between... You know, if you basically come out of uh, Scandinavia and you head mm. west, uh, then logically you you would, assuming you were good enough and your your ship didn't sink, you would end up in North America. I mean, yeah, their naval prowess for the day with what they had was absolutely insane, really, if you think about it. And just a bit, a bit of trivia as well, Leif Erikson was Eric the Red Sun, wasn't he? He discovered uh, Iceland. He was. Um, the third fact is... Um, a very famous battle. Uh, when I was a child, my mother was fantastic and taught me so much, and she bought me some really good books. And I had uh, one book that was basically famous battles of history. Um, mm. And one of the one of the battles in this was this one, which is the Battle of Lepanto in 1571, which is one of the most important um, sea battles of all time. Uh, and it was basically uh, a holy league of southern European nations fighting against the Ottoman empire who of course were rampant at that time mm. and uh fortunately for western civilization yeah. the, the europeans won uh, and they destroyed the ottoman fleet near western greece uh incredibly significant victory which shaped uh our world today um now again another one that uh, we but we like because we both like astronomy um in 1846 neptune's moon triton uh was discovered by william Herschel, who of course discovered uh, that in the first place, uh, really great man Herschel. Um, Neptune's actually my favourite planet. Why is that then? Because it's the most interesting. 
Okay. So it goes around the sun the wrong way around. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's the, yeah. Only one, it's, it's the only one that does in the galaxy, isn't it? And yeah. things like that. So it's a, a fascinating world. And we'll do a, we're going to do a feature on um, on the universe and planets and all that because it's something I'm particularly interested in. Um, in 1855, um, the um, Isaac Singer uh, patented the sewing machine motor, which is um, obviously in Singer sewing machines are probably, you know, the name Singer is synonymous even to this day. So um, fair play to good old Isaac. Um, and then uh, very quickly, I mean, I've been very good today. So in 1865, John Wesley Hyatt patented the billiard ball, which is quite interesting, mm-hmm. isn't it? So I presume, I don't know how they played snooker and stuff before that, so they must have um, had to play with themselves, no joke intended. <laughs> and then finally, uh, in 1868, Cuba revolted. Uh, against Spain and declared independence. Good old Cubans. Yeah. Although, of course, um, they went on... Went on... <laughs> boxes, I would have said. Well, both. Uh, on This Week in History. Welcome back to the second section today of On This Week in History with your little historian, Mr. Paul Waite, joined by his friendly little people. Um, can't really call Callum an elf. I'm not sure what a, what a Scottish elf is, actually. I want to think about know. that one. Go and have a look it up. Um, so we have um, I'm the cuddly viking and Callum is the strong viking so uh, uh, we, we, at least we're the vikings are here today um, eighth fact today in 1874 Fiji became a UK 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 a UK uh, uh, that's how UK was called uh, a UK uh. possession now rolling on from that in, it's a 96 years later it gained independence mm. uh, those of you who watch University Challenge will know that um, on University Challenge this week uh, one of the questions was um uh what was uh what was significant about fiji australia new zealand and somewhere else and of course they all have union jacks yeah in, in the flags. top of their flag, as yeah, does yeah. hawaii yeah yeah i know yeah, yeah. which is not something even though it's a u.s state which is well, it was it was a british state yeah yeah so uh, but it still does now even though it's a US i think state. it was called something else anyway um ninth uh fact is no, this is interesting this uh, uh so working out why i think it's interesting um in 1899 an african-american called isaac r johnson patented the bike frame Oh, very interesting. I thought it was very, very, very significant. That I found, mm. obviously, as a person who cycled tens of thousands of miles in my lifetime, and now we come on to the definitive fact of today. And if I end up taking three minutes to talk about this, then I'm going to because it's so important. Um, it's something uh, which uh, uh, really touches me, and I think I was just saying to some of my friends before we started the show today, and I know this isn't really very politically correct or something that people like you to say, but it's one of the reasons why I can't forgive a certain race of people in Europe who are trying to dominate us again. Um, so in uh, 1915, a uh, wonderful lady called Edith Cavell, and I think what was what was especially poignant and disgusting about what happened is Edith Cavell was a nurse um, who was probably one of the bravest people in history. And um, and I don't think anyone denies this, even the Germans. Uh, she basically uh, volunteered to go to France uh, and she patently and provenly saved uh, soldiers on all sides. So she didn't discriminate against the Germans. If the Germans were dying, she saved them. Uh, one of the things she also did um, as a patriot is she also assisted in helping uh, British soldiers to escape back to the UK. Uh, the Germans, in their infinite wisdom, decided that this was uh, tantamount to spying. Um, she was sentenced to death by uh, their military court. Uh, and despite uh, worldwide uh, appeals for clemency, um, on this day in history, 
Edith Cavell was shot. Um, I find it quite um, difficult to say that, actually, because it, it touched me. There's quite a famous book on it, which I read when I was quite small. Um, and one of the things I think is amazing about people like her, which really is touching, um, she, she made the most remarkable speech uh, before she was shot, uh, where she basically said to the Germans, I refuse, I refuse to be angry with you. I refuse to judge you. Uh, I love all people, and I'm going to my maker as a just woman and i just think it's um it's so wonderful how um how people can go and meet you know meet that and and of course what happened is the the germans actually refused to um to uh to, to, to in any way think that they did anything that was remotely wrong they made a, a big press statement they made a big song and dance about it and uh, it was only uh, i think in 1919 that um edith's remains were dug up and then she was brought home um wow and given the most wonderful uh, burial back on home soil so i think um rest in peace she she has a claim to being one of the bravest and greatest uh, english people of all time in my opinion yeah so um feel quite proud um and then finally uh, in 1919 this is an interesting one this says ask you boys mm -hmm. um what do you reckon is the oldest airline in the world craig if you had to say oh the oldest airline in the world hmm. Ooh, i don't know I'd have a guess. Um, probably an American one. Yeah, I'd have said that. What do you reckon, Callum? Oh, well, after America, probably Britain, I would think, is the most likely one. Oh, the oldest airline in the world is KLM. Oh. So KLM was established in 1919. Uh, it's the oldest existing airline. Um, and, of course, um, you know, it's, a, it's a Dutch airline. Right. Um, I've only flown uh, KLM once. I can't say it was a very good experience because <laughs> I remember talking to uh, a lady at Amsterdam Airport who was incredibly rude to me, and I would never forget it. So oh, coming dear. back from Poland, so anyway, I normally like the Dutch people, but um, <laughs> not 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 on this occasion. It's just a little blip. So there we are, exactly five minutes, and I want to be adored. We all want to be adored, and uh, I know Callum does the most amazing impression of Ian Brown. Bringing you the news of old. On This Week in History with Paul Waite. <laughs> I got so... I was ahead of myself there. It was so exciting. Anyway, so we come back to the uh, final um, segment of our On This Week in History today. And um, Craig has just been enlightening us with the fact that um, we're going to decide that the, the, the Scottish elves are called Brunies. Brunies, yes. Uh, these Brunies. Uh, you can uh, tell us about it a bit. According to Wikipedia, they are a household spirit from Scottish folklore. They're uh, said to come out at night whilst the owners of the house are asleep, perform various chores and farming tasks. Mm. Uh, and apparently we need to leave out a bowl of milk or cream or some other offering for the Brunie. Um, <laughs> otherwise, because they're easily offended, they may leave homes forever. Apparently, that is why my house is a mess, because I haven't <laughs> been leaving out Brilliant. the bowl of milk. <laughs> so, um, we, we were going on last week about the DNA. So, obviously, um, uh, uh, I'm 24% Scottish, and um, Craig is 100% Scottish, I believe. So, well, To the best of my knowledge, I've not so, had the uh, DNA test oh, done, so, but, you know, well... well a, a rather significant so. Scottish... Anyway, yeah. we're not supposed to be here talking about brunies and, and, and DNA, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, Moving on, uh, so I think we can do this quite comfortably. Um, something I'm very interested in, uh, so when I was uh, even at Wendon School, um, very, very interested in China and India, uh, wrote lots of things, even as a young chap, wrote, used to do things like write to the Indian High Commissioner and get letters back. I was very proud of myself <laughs> for, for doing this. Such a um, lad. In 1928, Chiang Kai-shek became director of the State Council of China. So after, um, after the a monarchy in China was... Um, stopped in i think it was about 1910 or 11 
um, it was there was basically a big uh, sort of battle uh, as to who gained supremacy. Um, and to start off with, um, Chiang Kai-shek's forces um, were prevalent, and he 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 basically controlled China uh, from about 1928 to just about the end of the Second World War. And then, of course, um, Chairman Mao became incredibly uh, you know, powerful. And in the end, uh, Chiang Kai-shek's forces uh, fled to what was then called Formosa, uh, which is now Taiwan. So we now have this uh, bastion of Western uh, civilization, uh, well, 100 miles off the Chinese coast. And, um, and obviously, you know, what I think we're, all the world is worried about is how long is it before the Chinese decide mm. to, to invade? Uh, and I hope if they do... Uh, that that we do something about it, but I'm not holding my breath. Thirteenth um, point, still in the same region. 1954, Ho Chi Minh uh, entered Hanoi after the French left. So of course, Vietnam was originally a, a French colony, which is why uh, you see um, a lot of French names for places. Mm. Culture is um, is quite French, and of course, um, Hanoi then became called Ho Chi Minh City. Uh, Ho Chi Minh was, of course, a communist, so this wasn't good for the West. Mm. Uh, very much supported by the Chinese and the Russians. Mm. Uh, of course, uh, this then led to one of the worst wars in history, where the Americans probably suffered one of the greatest day box that a, mm. a, a great power ever did. Um, and if we had time, we could talk a lot more about that, but um, there we are. Um, something, um, again, I'm very proud of with the connections in our family. In 1975, uh, Israel finally signed uh, the Sinai Accord with Egypt. And mm. this was um, quite an amazing thing to have happened after 27 years of warfare and bloodshed between mm. Israel and, 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 and Egypt. And, of course, it led to Anwar Sadat and uh, Emmanuel Begin winning the Nobel Peace Prize uh, at that time. And unfortunately, you know, as, as probably one would expect, given the strength of feeling in the region, Sadat was, of course, assassinated months after that happening. Mm. Um, but one of the great things that's going on in the world at the moment, one of the few great things, is um, is, is effectively um, many of the Arab nations have now cuddled up to Israel. So we've got um, Saudi Arabia, mm. Syria... So effectively, what's happened is the Sunnis and the Shiites have basically decided they hate each other more than Israel. So uh, it's funny, isn't the, it? The, I think it's the, the Shiite Muslims have basically all buddied up with with Israel against the common enemy. So uh, uh, that's it. We've got two more facts to get in. Um, I know Callum was Callum thought this was remarkable in 1976. A 98 year old Greek called Dimitrian Yardinadis became the oldest man to complete a, a marathon in seven hours and 33 wow. minutes, which is mm. You know, staggering. And I said to Callum yesterday, I, I don't know if I could walk a mile. Uh, yeah. You know, to put that in perspective, um, so that's 26, 26 miles and a bit in right. 453 minutes. So uh, I just think to be 98 years old and to do yeah. that, I mean, my grandfather's 87. You know, and, yeah, and he, 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 he couldn't have done 10 yards at that pace. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Not unless he had a fag in his mouth. <laughs> anyway, we've gone past our five minutes, so we let the last one in. Um, in um, so this is again. So I, I, probably I, I, I'm going to I'm going to overrun deliberately because this this is too good. In 1982, Pope John Paul II canonized a guy called R Reverend Maximilian Kolbe, who probably matched at least Cavell's bravery. I, I think it's it's something that everyone should know about. Probably one of the greatest self sacrifices in history, and and uh, I think the guy deserves to be known. So this was a, a minister. 
who volunteered to die in place of another inmate in Auschwitz concentration camp. But what even greater than that, he volunteered to go there in the first place, mm. uh, knowingly to save another life. And uh, just, um, you just words cannot really describe uh, the respect you have for something like that. So I hope you enjoyed on this week in history today. Aspen Weight Radio Podcasts. Download at aspenweightradio.com or subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Google Podcasts.